and the third verse, Psalms, the 11th chapter, and the third verse, if you didn't bring your Bible with you today, we have Bibles that we'd uh, be glad to loan you for the service. It's good to turn in the Bible and look up scripture. Uh, Unfortunately, our computer that runs the projection system is not working today, so uh, that's why the projection slides aren't up there, but uh, we'll have that fixed, we trust, by next Sunday. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand real high, our ushers will get you one. We just ask that you leave those at your seats when you leave so we can use them again next Sunday. In Psalms, the 11th chapter, in the third verse, the Bible says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? This weekend, being the 4th of July weekend, this, of course, is the time we as a nation celebrate our liberty, our our independence from Great Britain. Today, I want to talk about foundations of liberty, foundations of liberty. If the foundations are destroyed, speaking today about the foundations of liberty. And it just fits real, real good here because this is the 4th of July weekend. Now, it is important to know what the United States of America was founded upon so that we can see if, if that foundation is being destroyed. Now, to find out what this nation was founded on, we really need to go back and look at Those who founded it. You need to understand that this nation was founded at the hands of Almighty God. By people that wanted to worship God. They wanted to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Not being inhibited by the the, the powers of Great Britain. They were looking for a place where they could come and worship the Lord Jesus. Notice I didn't just say God, I said the Lord Jesus. Did you hear what I said? See, when you say God, that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I know this from having been in the public school system teaching for many years. You walk in there and you say Buddha, nobody even pays any attention. You walk in there and you say Confucius, nobody pays any attention. You walk in there and and say Sun Young Moon, nobody pays any attention. But you walk in there and you say, you say Jesus. Jesus, you've got everybody stirred up. Did you hear me? You know why that is? Because it was Jesus that defeated the devil. Did you hear me? And there's just something about that name, isn't there? I'm not ashamed of the name of Jesus. How about you? I'm not, I'm so not ashamed. Jesus is Lord is right back there because that's who he is. Amen. And, and, and our founders wanted to come to a place where they could worship the Lord Jesus, he is God. You understand that? You understand what I mean when I say, when you say God, that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But there's something about that name, Jesus. That is the name that is above every name that's named. Is, is that right? 
And that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And they wanted to come to a place where they could worship the Lord Jesus, not being inhibited by the powers of Great Britain. And so they came over and they worship the Lord. But we need to look at the statements that the founders made to really understand what it is that this nation was founded on. You know, there's people in high political places right now that say that this is not a Christian nation or it never was intended to be. Let me just tell you, this nation was founded by Christians. This nation is a Christian nation. Now, it's moved away from that, unfortunately. But but this, I mean, this is a Christian nation. I'm here today to tell you. And we have people in some high political offices that will say, well, this isn't necessarily a Christian nation. My God. What did the founders say? Let's just look here. The Mayflower Compact, which was the first governing document of the pilgrims. Anybody remember the pilgrims? Here's what it said. Having undertaken for the glory of God, the advancement of the Christian faith. John Adams and John Hancock, who John Hancock unashamedly signed the Declaration of Independence larger than anyone else, he and John Adams said, we recognize no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. Alexander Hamilton said, the Constitution, a system which without the finger of God never could have been suggested. James Madison, who conceived the three branches of government by the inspiration from the word of God in Isaiah 33, which says, for the Lord is our judge, the judicial branch. The Lord is our lawgiver, the legislative branch. And the Lord is our king, the executive branch. He, the Lord, will save us. That's where the three branches of government came from. It came from Isaiah 33, verse 22. George Washington, has anybody ever heard of him? To the distinguished, here's what he said, to the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. John Quincy Adams said this, The birthday of the nation is indissolubly linked with the birthday of the Savior. Patrick Henry, who said, give me liberty or give me death, also said this. This nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thomas Jefferson said, God who gave us life, gave us liberty, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their basis? I'll put it in my own words. Can, can, listen, he said, God who gave us life, 
gave us liberty and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed or moved away from the foundation? You see, this nation was founded upon God's holy word, Genesis to Revelation. Notice in Jeremiah, and how can this thing stand? See, a foundation is that which something stands upon. Is that right? And if the foundation is, is destroyed, that which stands upon it is going to, is going to fall. Did you get what I just said? You see, we open with the scripture that said, if the foundations are destroyed, you see, a foundation is that which something stands upon. And if the foundation is destroyed, if the foundation is moved away from, then that which stands upon it will will fall. You need to understand that this nation was founded upon the word of God. And if this nation moves away from the word of God, then the only thing left is for the nation to fall. Is that correct? Notice in Jeremiah, the 18th chapter and the 15th verse, Jeremiah, the 18th chapter and the 15th verse, God speaking here and he says this, because my people have forgotten me. You know, it's a dangerous thing to forget God. Because my people have forgotten me, they have turned or they have burned incense to worthless idols. Does your Bible say that? Because my people have forgotten me. So it's possible to forget about God. They have burned incense to worthless idols. Now I'll stop right there and just point it out to you. But just not long ago, just days ago, down in St. Louis, you know, there was a certain TV show that is very popular in the land. Now hear me out before you pass judgment on me. Hear me out. But I saw it on television, on channel 2, 4, and 5. And there was just mass multitudes of people standing down there in St. Louis, in our city, and they're chanting, Idol, 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 idol. Now, did anybody see that on television besides me? Now you say, Pastor Terry, you're picking on that television show. I'll be honest with you, I don't have a problem with that show. I think it's kind of entertaining and interesting. I especially like it when the people come on there and sing, and they sing like I do. You know, it's real bad. So I'm not picking on that show in and of itself. I think it's an interesting concept, and I don't have a problem that people watch that show. I'll be honest with you, I watch it myself. I, like I said, I more watch it at the beginning when they got the corny acts on there like myself would be. Uh, I, so I'm not coming against that show in and of itself. Do you understand that? How many, how many understand where I'm coming from? But when you put, when that's more important to you than God, now we have a problem. Is that correct? Because you see, idolatry is when you put anything ahead of God. I don't care if it's golf. I don't care if it's, if it's crafts. I don't care if it's, it's car racing. I don't care if it's going to Six Flags. If you put anything ahead of God, it's clear that the Bible says that that, that person is an idolater. Did, did you hear me? 
And, and people can get so caught up with, with, with these idols and things that you can forget God. And God says, because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to worthless idols. They have caused themselves to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths. Real loud say, from the ancient paths. God said, my people have moved away from, they've moved away from the ancient paths, or we could put it this way, they've moved away from the foundations. You need to realize that this nation as a whole has moved away from the foundation of the word of God. I realize that there are people who have not. I realize there are churches who have not. But by and large, uh, this nation has moved away from the ancient paths of the word of God. And the Bible says to walk in pathways and not on a highway. I studied that out and found it to, 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 to be saying this. To walk in pathways are bypass or paths that are built by men and look right. But not built by God. I don't want to walk on something that's built by a man that looks right. But God's not in it. How about you? And it says to walk in pathways but not on a highway. And on a highway means on a road established and built by God. I want to walk on the road built by the word of God. How about you? And then verse 16. To make their land desolate. And a perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. I will scatter them as with an east wind before the enemy. I will show them the back and not the face in the day of their calamity. You see, when when a people, when a nation, when a country uh, forgets God and turns from him to worthless idols and they leave the ancient paths, they leave the foundation of the word of God. It's just, it's not a matter if, it, of if it's just a matter of when that that thing is going to fall based on having moved away from that strong foundation of the word of God. And God says here that when it happens, he, he said right here that, that, that he, he, he'll turn his back. I don't want God turning his back on me. How about you? You see, America was founded on the godly principles of the Bible and grew to be great. Proverbs, the 14th chapter says, righteousness exalts a nation. And America was founded upon the words of Jesus Christ and has been exalted by God and has successfully weathered many storms and stood strong as a result. But Proverbs which 14, which says righteousness exalts a nation, also says sin is a reproach to any people. You see, when the foundation of the word of God is departed from, then that which stood upon it will eventually crumble and fall, and great will be its fall. In the last few decades, America as a whole has left the foundation of the Word of God. God was kicked out of the public school system. They kicked Him out. When God walks out the door, he's a gentleman, he left. When God leaves, the Bible says God is light. When God walks out, guess what? Light walks out. And it's a place that can be very dark in the public school system. Now, I'm a a product of the public school system. 
I'm a product of the Rockwood School District. And uh, I made it through. But you know how I made it through? Because I had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are, there are Christian teachers. And thank God for them. There are Christian administrators. And thank God for them. But I know that as I was a student... And then as I went on to college and graduated from the University of Missouri, St. Louis, I realized that most of what is done there and most of the people who run these places are not, are not Christians. And it is not a Christian environment. They kicked God out of the public school system and he left. And instead of Johnny putting little Susie's pigtails in an inkwell... Now he's raping her in the bathroom or shooting her with a gun. Huh? Now it's blunt. You say, Pastor, don't talk like that. Well, I'm telling you, that's the kind of stuff that's going on when you kick God out. I don't want to kick God out. I want God in. How about you? And in this nation, not only was God kicked out of the public school system, but you've seen drunkenness and drug addiction. You've seen gambling, legalized gambling. I don't think gambling ought to be legalized myself. I'm not going to stand at the quick trip and invest in the lottery. I'm going to put it in the house of God and get a sure return. You do whatever you, you think you should, but I, I'm not gonna, I get aggravated when I have to stand sometimes for 10 minutes for the person to get the lucky, whatever it is there. I just wanna just, well, let's just move on. I just wanna tell them, why don't you put your money in the house of God? You don't even have to put it here, just put it in the house of God. How many would rather get a sure return than a, maybe a lucky, a lucky strike, huh? Disobedient to parents. I've seen that firsthand as I taught in the public school system. Perverseness on television. How many of you would agree with me that you've seen perverseness on television? Some of these commercials that come on right in the middle of a G-rated movie is unthinkable. How many knows what I'm talking about? It's stuff I can't even mention from this pulpit. It's pornography and sexual promiscuity. Homosexual and proud of it. If I'm not mistaken, didn't New York just pass that they've legalized same-sex marriage? Is that correct? Am I right on that? Now, I just want to tell you, look, look, the Bible says that homosexuality is sin. Is that right? Does the Bible say that? I don't think we ought to pick on homosexuals. I don't think we ought to badger them. I think we ought to love them. And we need to tell them the truth of the matter. Just like somebody that commits adultery or fornication or somebody that lies, cheats or steals. Sin is sin. Did you hear me? And we need to, t- we don't need to beat people over the head. We need to love them, but we need to tell them the truth of the matter. Did you hear what I just said? The Supreme Court since 1973 has allowed Unborn babies to be slaughtered, quote unquote, legally. Over 25 million since 1973. 
Now you tell me how God's blessing can be on a nation that does that. You say, Pastor, you're anti-American. No, I'm all for America. I'm an American citizen. This is the greatest nation on earth. I'm proud to be called an American. And I realize that there's a lot of good people in this nation. But I'm just telling you that there's a lot of things going on and have been going on for a long time that does not draw the blessing of God, but draws the judgment of God. Can anybody, are you all out there? You just listening, aren't you? America as a whole has all but forgotten God. The Bible says in Psalms 9, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. You know, it's interesting to to compare America with other nations which fell. I'm going to compare her to two nations. One is Sodom. Have you ever heard of Sodom? And as you look at Sodom, there's the sin of homosexuality. But also there was an, an arrogance and a haughtiness in Sodom. And there was, they were overfed and unconcerned. And Sodom fell. Sodom was judged by God. But listen to this next one, the Roman Empire. Let's, let's just look at the Roman Empire, which we can look back at history and we see that it fell. Listen, Rome began as a republic and so did the United States. Both Rome and America became a nation among nations. Then both became empires. Both uh, uh, then became the most powerful nation on earth. Both occupied the Middle East. Both Roman and American currencies became universal around the world. Both became the leading voices in the world to whom everyone looked to make decisions. Both built sports stadiums. And enjoyed the brutality of sport. It is said that Rome's happiness hung on a race. I'm not against Bush Stadium. I enjoy it. I'm not against the Cardinals. I enjoy that. And I always root for them to win. But I want you to know that my happiness does not hang on whether the Cardinals or the Rams win or lose. Brutality of sport. You know that there's some people that like to go and watch somebody in a football game get slaughtered. You know what I mean by that? I don't particularly like watching people get hurt. How about you? I don't like watching people get, be in car wrecks in the Indy 500. Do you? And there's nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves. But when we make idols out of them and they're more important to us than God, then there's a problem. And it said that Rome's happiness hung on a race. Both Rome and the United States became obsessed with luxuries and pleasure. The Roman Christians, listen, the Roman Christians, the Christians in Rome became just like the the worldly Romans. When you looked at, if you could go back there and you looked at at the Christians of Rome and you looked at them and you looked at Roman sinners, you couldn't tell the difference between the two. Now, I don't know about you, but when you look at a Christian, they ought to look different than a sinner. Can anybody say amen? How many of you know a Christian ought to have a smile on their face? They ought to have a glow about them. They ought to have a skip in their step and a glide in their stride. Is that right? 
A Christian shouldn't be partaking of sin. A Christian ought to come out from among them and be separate. A Christian ought to be somebody that walks in love and compassion. Do you hear me? But when you look at a, when you look at a, a Christian and, and you look at a sinner and you can't tell the difference. Well, I mean, when, I mean, well, listen, when you walk in the house of God, you ought to know you walked in the house of God. When you walk in the house of God, you ought, you ought, I mean, you ought to sense the presence of God. Walking in the house of God should be different than walking into Walmart, Kmart, or Target. Is that right? How many of you know when you walk in the house of God, it ought to be different than walking into a nightclub? Is that right? How many of you know the house of God shouldn't remind you of a nightclub? Is that right? And the Christians of Rome were feasting and playing instead of fasting and praying. And, you know, it's interesting. We talk about leaving the foundations. Uh, what is today? What day of the week is today? Oh, it's Sunday. Uh, what was yesterday? Saturday. It used to be, and I remember this when I was a kid growing up, when, when you'd go out on Sunday morning, it was deader than a doornail. Uh, the businesses were closed down in honor of God. The, the gas stations were closed down in honor of God. Everything was closed down in honor of God. Does anybody remember that? And now you go out on a Sunday and you can't tell any difference if it was Sunday or Saturday. Is that right? Don't tell me we haven't moved away from the foundations. And Rome, as their empire grew, the Romans had excessive governmental control with lack of communication, excessive taxation. Rome allowed homosexuality and allowed abortion. And Rome, at the time, the most powerful nation on earth, it fell. And it's clear to me that America as a whole has left the foundations of the word of God. Somebody would ask me, why, pastor, why? Why has America left the foundation? Why? That's a good question. Why? I've been asked that question. I've asked that question. Why? 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 Why has this happened? And as I've sought God over many years looking for the answer, I believe the answer comes from... A man by the name of Alexis de Tocqueville, a French politician, a historian who came to America to see why she was a great nation. He came over many, many years ago to see why this nation was a great nation. Many, many years ago, he comes to see why this is a great nation. And he best states the reason for America's greatness and decline as follows. Listen to this. He said... After he'd gone through the nation, he said, I sought for America's greatness in her spacious harbors and ample rivers, and it was not there. I sought for America's greatness in her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. I sought for America's greatness in her public school systems and institutions of higher learning, and, and I'm all for those. Make, let me be clear. I'm all for those. 
But he said, I sought for her greatness in the public school systems and institutions of higher learning. And he said it was not there. And then he said this, it was not until I went to the pulpits of America and found them aflame with the preaching of righteousness that I understood America's greatness. What am I trying to say? Why have we seen a moving away from the foundations of the word of God? This is something I feel the Lord has gotten through to me loud and clear. And the reason is, is because of this, this desk that I stand behind this morning. Not just this one, but throughout the entire nation. The pulpits of America. This man said that it wasn't in the spacious harbors. The greatness was not in the fields. It was not in, it was not in the boundless forest. It was not in the education system. He said that I sought for America's greatness and it wasn't until I saw the pulpits of America aflame with the preaching of righteousness that I understood why America was great. And let me tell you over the past many decades that preaching and that flame of fire that used to thunder forth from pulpits in this land has all but been quieted. Now there are some places where it still thunders, but not very many. And the devil has worked overtime to silence the pulpits of America from thundering the preaching of God's righteousness. And has reduced pulpits down to nothing more but storytelling stations. And telling people stories and jokes and funny talks. And funny talks. And funny jokes. And funny humorous stuff. And let's, let's entertain the people for 30 minutes. And let's, let's entertain them. And let's tell them a joke. And let's tell them a story. Listen, I can tell some pretty good jokes. And I've told you some pretty good jokes over the years. But you know what? If you've looked at me over the years, I, do I spend more time telling you jokes or more time teaching you the word of God? You know why I do that? Because in the midnight hour when the devil's knocking on your door, my joke isn't going to run him off, but the word of God will. It's the pulpits, so for, so for the most part, they've been reduced down to nothing more than little. Let's, let's see how we can entertain the people. Let's put the smoke during the worship, the smoke and the mirrors and the lights flashing and this and that. You know, I don't need smoke. I don't need mirrors. I don't need lights flashing to worship God. How about you? If you, if they have it, they have, that, that doesn't even bother me so much. It's, it's what comes across the pulpit. My God, the pulpit's ought to thunder with the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. I don't talk, I'm not talking about beating people over the head. I'm talking about just teaching and preaching and thundering the Word of God under anointed preaching that, 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 that if sinners are present, that the love of God and the convicting power of God comes on them where they shake in their seat and they want to come forward and give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about an atmosphere that when people walk in, they sense the presence of God. And if there's things in their life that shouldn't be there, that, that the power of God comes on them and convicts them to the point that they get those things out of their life and they get right with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to keep this church that way. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm passionate about this. 
Because without the pulpits of America, and if they go lukewarm, which they have for the most part, you see what results. We have a nation then that moves away. If the pulpits move away from the foundation of the word of God, then so will the people. And then when that happens, the nation, which is composed of people, they've moved away from the word of God. And then when that foundation is left, then then what do we have? We have something that crumbles. 2 Timothy 4.3, go there with me if you would. 2 Timothy 4.3, go there with me if you would. Amplified Bible, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible, the Amplified Version, listen to this, because I believe we're living in this time, it says the time is coming. I believe we're in that time when people will not tolerate or endure sound and wholesome instruction. But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. Put it in my own words, people in this nation, I'm talking about Christians, are hungry for a preacher to stand and entertain them for 30 minutes or less. Tell them a story, have a prop, have a this, have a that, laugh a little bit. I'm all for laughing, but we're just going to entertain you and, and get you out. So there's plenty of time to, to go to beat the other church to the, to the lunchroom. One thing I've learned about God, you can't get the flow of God trying to get him to run on your time scale. You got to run on his if you really want the flow of God. Tell me something that makes me feel good. Tell me something that 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 just lifts me up all the time. Don't ever don't ever don't don't ever tell me that I shouldn't sin, pastor. Don't ever tell me that I ought to tell the truth. That steps on my toes. I don't want to hear that. I've had people say that to me over the years. No, I, I can understand if I called them out publicly and said it, they, then they ought to get mad at me. But I'm just talking, standing here in a general way, say, you know what? We ought to, we ought to, we ought to, we ought to endeavor to live right and tell the truth. Oh, don't say that. I just want to hear all positive stuff. See, look, I'm for preaching positive stuff, but if all you do is preach the positive side of the Word of God, what happens is, is people will lose a healthy fear of God. And when they lose a healthy fear of God, then sin abounds, and then the Bible says sin is a reproach to any nation, and that sin brings you away from the foundation of the Word of God, and then the thing is ready to crumble. Well, I'm going to make this promise to you. I made this from the beginning of this church and I've kept it all the way to this present hour. I never step in this pulpit to entertain you. I step in this pulpit to give you what the Spirit of God is saying. And let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, but 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 somebody not, might not like it. Well, I just... See, I have to answer to God. And I'm not here to, to be obnoxious, but I'm here to share the goodness of God. But I'm here to give you the truth, the whole truth and... Isn't that what you want? 
The Bible in the book of Revelation, just listen to this, talks about there's seven churches mentioned in that last church, the church at Laodicea. Many theologians argue that that will be the characteristics of the last church on earth before the Lord comes back. And there's something that we see, much we could say about it, but when we look in at that last church, we see this. He says, you are neither hot, and the Lord's upset with him, and he says, you're neither hot nor cold, but you are lukewarm. And he says, because you won't take a stand on anything. You won't take a stand on. And you see, he's talking. If you study those seven churches out, the Lord is not really upset with the people so much as he's upset with the pastor. Because the pastor allowed certain things to go on in those churches. The pastors did. And the Lord got on the pulpit. He got on the pastor. And, and, and Jesus sent the word through John to those pastors. And there were only two of the seven churches that he had no correction for. But there were five of the churches that he said, you know, Jesus said, okay, you got this going good, this going good. But there's some things you need to straighten up, you know. And in that last church, actually that last church had gotten so lukewarm and so where they would not take a stand on anything to the point that Jesus is on the outside of the church church knocking on the door and he wants back in i tell you what i don't want to have a church where jesus can't is can't get into you and when you have a lukewarmness where the minister will not take a stand on anything do you know that there's pre that there's pulpits in this land by the multitudes right now that would never stand in the pulpit and say homosexuality is sin did you hear me And that's why this nation is in a mess that it's in. And if you haven't looked, this nation is in a mess. I said it's in a mess. And you got some quote-unquote prophets on television that no more prophets than I'm a donkey saying that this nation is blessed. You can't kill all those millions of babies and have it be blessed. Now, people that are living right, now those people, you, how many of you know you can be blessed in the midst of judgment? How many of you know that it, Israel, they were over in Goshen and the judgment of God was falling on Egypt, but they were, they were safe, is that right? I want you, as I begin to close this message, I want you to remember the midnight ride of Paul Revere, who heralded the British are coming, the British are coming. How many of you remember Paul Revere? Does anybody remember? Are you all out there? Are you okay? Are you gone home? Are you all right? How many of you would be all right if I got to preach on me here just a little bit? Well, I don't know if that's going to happen. But how many of you have ever heard of Paul Revere? Have you or haven't you? And he said, one if by? God bless you. We need to send you back to your history class. One if by? Land and what? One if by what? And two if by, but what was he heralding? The who's, who's coming? Who's coming? 
the British are coming. One is by land, two is by sea. Lantern in that old church, uh, that that lantern in the church house there, or whatever it was, you know. And, and one is by land, two is by sea. I stand here on this Fourth of July weekend, as, in 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 the midnight hour for this nation, as a spiritual Paul Revere, if you will. I stand here and, and I stand in this midnight hour, and I, I stand here declaring to you, just as he said, the British are coming. The British are coming. Well, I'm not standing here telling you the British are coming, but I am standing here under the anointing of God telling you there's two things coming to this nation. There's two things coming to this nation. There's two things coming to this nation. And one of them, you can already make some argument that it's begun, but one of them is God's judgment and the other one is Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. The judgment of God. And some could argue that it has already begun. But I know as I read Isaiah and Jeremiah and put those two books together, as I believe it pertains to the United States of America, God says, woe. And when God says, woe, that doesn't mean, it means judgment to a land shadowing with wings, which could be the eagle which we're known by, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. God's talking about a nation here. And with Israel as the focal point, only America can fit the description to a nation widely spread out to a people awesome from their beginning, even to the present, a nation meted out or measured, mapped out. This nation has been whose land the river divides, the Mississippi cuts it in half. God speaking, he says to a mingled, or we could say a melting pot of people. And then he says crazy about its idols. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall he do to this nation. The mother who bore shall be astounded at the judgment. Speaking of Great Britain. And then it goes on to say, how is the hammer? Hammer is that which shapes and perhaps no other nation has shaped this world like the United States. How is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? I stand here as a spiritual Paul Revere telling you that I I believe that God's going to deal with this nation. You see, that's what I was saying a while ago. A lot of people don't want to hear that. They want to think we can go on the way we've gone on. You know, there's people think that we can go on spending money like we've been spending money as a nation and never have to ha, never have to settle up. How many of you know you can't do what this nation has done financially and stand? If I did what this nation does financially, both personally and the church, we'd have bellied up a long time ago. And this church, let me tell you, dear friends, this church, this this nation is in some serious financial trouble. And the buck has been passed and it's been passed and it's been passed. And, 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 and there comes a time financially where you can't pass the buck anymore. And I pray God that somebody stands up and let's default. Ooh, I feel let's default if we have to. But my God, let's do something to get this thing under control. Can anybody say amen? Well, we can't do this. Well, we can't do that. Well, we can't do that. It's time we do something. It's time we stand up and do something. If you got more going out than what's coming in, how many of you know that's not going to work forever, is it? 
Well, if we defy, well, if we this, well, if we that, this isn't in my notes, but I'm, and I, I'm just trying to say, my God, you can't keep spending, you can't, you can only print the press so long. Yeah, but pastor, you're painting me a bad picture this morning. You were supposed to give me something. Look, I'm here. This is a spe- if you attend here regularly, I typically don't preach quite like this. I minister you know, a little bit differently. But today, God's got me on a special assignment. Is it okay if I believe, uh, obey God? If the foundations are destroyed... What can the righteous do? Closing by this. Pastor, you've told me things are in bad shape. What can we do? Let me tell you. Here's what we can do. First of all, this pulpit and this congregation, I'm going to even know we got to start where we're at. So let's just start right where we're at. And what can we do? First of all, this pulpit and this congregation, we can hold to the foundation of the word of God. We can make a decision that no matter what anybody else does, no matter what any other church does, we're going to stay true to the word of God. Can you say amen? We're going to continue to hold that God is the creator, that mankind is lost and undone without the Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to continue to hold that Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was beaten and died upon the old rugged cross, shedding his precious blood for every sinner. And on the third day, he rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to hold to that. How about you? I'm going to hold that that only through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ can a sinner get saved and be born again and miss hell and make heaven. Can you say amen? Will you hold to that with me today, dear friends? We can do then what is inscribed on the liberty bell from the book of Leviticus, which says proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants, this pulpit and this people. We can go into our world, the world that we touch, and we can proclaim the goodness of Almighty God through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? What can this people do? This is what we can do. What can we do beyond that? The Bible says in Second Chronicles, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Amen. Does the United States have to fall? Does it have to go down? Does it? No, I don't believe it does. But I'm here today to tell you that it's going to have to be done. And the only way that can change is there's going to have to be a national revival that takes place. I said there's going to have to be a national revival that takes place. I'm talking about, and you know where it's got to start? It, it, it no, it doesn't, it, somebody said, well, it has to start in the White House. Absolutely not. No, no, no. Well, you know where the revival needs to start in this land? To turn this thing around and to get the, get, to get this thing back on the foundation that it's supposed to be on? It starts in the pulpits of America. And the pulpits begin to do what I'm doing 
here today thunder with the preaching of righteousness to the congregations of the United States. And oh, I pray that there'd be a revival in the pulpits of America and that men of God would come out not as pablum pushing pulpiteers or come out like, like, like Shirley Temple or Mary Poppins. Not that there's anything wrong with them, but that they'd come out as men of God and they'd proclaim the word of God and they don't care what people think, but they do, they say, thus saith the Lord. And in love, they thunder the word of God. That's the only hope that this nation has. And I include this pulpit in it. I mean, we got to, we got to keep this thing hot. And then after that, the people need to listen to what's being preached. And the people need to take it to heart. And then the people need to go into their own prayer time and pray. And then when voting time comes up, the people of God need to go to the polling, to the polls and they need to vote out the sinner and vote in the righteous. Can you say amen? Oh, I'd like to see a day. I'd like to see a day. Oh, I'd like to see a day when, when, when on Sunday mornings, when a big event is held, uh, that, 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 that there's just three or four or, or no people show up to a big event down in the city because they can't get people to come. Why? Because everybody's at church. You see, it's just the other way around now, isn't it? If they had a big concert down in the city, and, and you know, I'm talking about a worldly concert, you, you're likely to see most of the Christians and even some of the pastors down there at the, and cancel their services on Sunday morning. My God, I'm not going to do that. Did you hear what I just said? I mean, they're having a big deal down there. Well, they have to schedule it around Sunday morning because the city of St. Louis, they're in church on Sunday morning honoring God. And that's what I want to see for this city. That's what I want to see for this nation. And if we're going to stay off the judgment of God, the only way we're going to be able to do it is to get the pulpit stirred back up. I'm not saying this is the only pulpit that's on fire. There's a lot of them, that are, but there's far more that aren't. We got to get saved and say, we must get the pulpits fired back up. And let me tell you something. This is what the Lord wants me to get across to you. Do you know what keeps a pulpit? One thing that keeps a pulpit on fire is the people praying for it during the week. Yeah, but he just delivered a mamby-pamby little message and, and I, it was just like a cold snack and I came for a three-course meal. Well, how much praying have you done for the pulpit that week? If you want to be fed a good meal on Sunday morning, spend some time during the week praying that God would get across to you through that pulpit on that Sunday what he wants to get across to you and that there'd be an anointing upon it and a moving of the Holy Ghost upon it. Amen? What can we do? We can hold true to the word of God. We can declare liberty. We can stand in the gap and we can pray. The Bible said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I said this nation is in trouble and yes it is. And we're at a point now, this nation, that only God himself can heal it. But how many of you know he is a miracle worker and he is a healer and I want to keep believing. How about you? Stand with with me if you would and grab hands with the person next to you. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? They can pray. And we're going to close this message today with prayer. Just grab the person's hand next to you. 
I'm going to ask dear, our dear brother Joe to go up to the keyboard and just play just softly like he does during the, 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 the announcements, you know. Praise God. You know, if you're, if you're visiting, I, I, I like to have you out by 11.15, 11.20, but I'm on a special assignment this morning. So we're just going to take a few minutes here and pray. We owe it to, to our nation to pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. As I pray, just let your hearts agree with this. If you don't agree, agree with it, then just don't agree with it. But Heavenly Father, we come before you. And we stand in the gap. On behalf of this nation. This congregation. This pulpit. These people. All of us in unity together, we stand before you. In this midnight hour, much like the day of Paul Revere, only we realize the circumstances are different. If two on earth would agree as touching anything that they would ask, it would be done. We do understand that you will not violate the will of man woman, boy, or girl. But we also understand that it appears that you'll not move in the earth except you're given an avenue to do so with prayer by the way you set things up. So first of all, we pray for the political leadership. We pray for the President of the United States, even though I may not agree with him on everything, he's still the President. And we're to respect the office. And right now in the name of Jesus, I pull down spiritual blindness that's on that man, on the president and the vice president, that which is blinding him from the truth. I pull that down in Jesus' name. Father, I ask that you'd send perfect laborers across their paths to minister the gospel to them in due season. For other political figures that have already placed their faith in the Lord Jesus and are already saved that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. That they'd be able to see the truth of the word of God and that they would enact the truths of the word of God in the offices in which they hold. We declare that no weapon formed against them will prosper so that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life. Now I pray for this region of the Midwest where our sphere of authority and influence is. And I declare that no weapon formed against us by a terrorist will prosper in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for the pulpits and we as a people I'm just sir praying as they're agreeing with me but we pray for the pulpits of America today I pray for this pulpit first and foremost I would never want to ever try to remove a little splinter from someone else's eye while there's a big telephone pole in my eye so 
So if we've missed it from this pulpit in any way, shape, form, or fashion, we repent right now before you, before the people. We ask that you'd always give us utterance in the Holy Ghost to declare the word of God. That this pulpit and this people will stay on fire for the Lord. Not only for this pulpit, but we pray for preachers that they would declare and herald and declare the word of God. Whether it's according to Second Timothy 4, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome by the people. As a preacher of the word, that they would show people in what ways their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuke them, correct them, warn them and encourage them. Being unwavering and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. This we pray for the pulpits of America. Let utterance be given to preachers. And may they open their mouths and boldly make known the mystery of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make them flames of fire, O God. And may they yield to that fire as the fire of the Holy Ghost gets a hold of their lips and their tongue. And they begin to speak. And you want them to speak as the pen of a ready writer. That they yield to that and declare just what it is the Spirit of God is saying. Not as pleasers of men, but as pleasers of God. And like Jonah, the prophet of old would Preach the message that God tells them to preach, not the message that they got out of a suggestion box. And if it be possible, O God, that revival would sweep this nation, starting with the pulpits, moving to the pews, and then moving to the voting booths. And that revival would sweep this nation. And you'd be able to come back for a glorious church. Before the great notable day of the Lord come. And all of God's people that agreed with that real loud said. Amen. Amen. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your savior. Before you leave there will be men and women up here. To pray with you. Be sure you make your way to the front. And say hey I need to receive Jesus. And they'll pray with you. If you need healing in your body. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Or you have some other request. Come forward and they'll be glad to pray with you. Well, say, thank God I live in the United States and I'm going to keep serving God and I'm not going to give up on this nation, but I'm going to believe God in Jesus name. Amen. Happy Fourth of July. Greet a few people. We'll see you next time.